the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access. Yes, it is, and it's a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access, which means we've got a jam-packed show. How about Max Sharping? Yes, the second-year offensive lineman joined me earlier today, so we're going to hear from him, and he has quickly become one of the favorites in the building, virtual building, whatever you want to call it. Max Sharping, good football player and a tremendous dude to boot. So we will have him later in the show. But for right now, you got me, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and the Vox of the Texans, the voice of the Texans, <laughs> Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how you doing? Vox, that's Vox. it. It's going to catch on. The Paul Allen thing is catching on down here, down <laughs> south. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely catch on. Uh, Mark, jam-packed show. We're going to hear uh, from Max Sharping. I had a chance to catch up with him today. And then we started last week. We've got to keep it going. We've got to keep the streak alive. Uh, in our final segment, we'll do What You Remember When Wednesday. And Ooh. I've got a list. Now, I'm taking away the multiple choice. I felt like that was a little clunky. I just want to get straight up your thoughts. What You Remember When. I, gotta, I feel like I've got a pretty good at least half dozen to go to uh, to hit you with. And if you, don't, if, you don't, if you weren't with us last week, don't know what I'm talking about. You'll catch on pretty quickly, but you all know that Mark has been there for every play, every call, every moment, so I can throw him anything, and he will remember what happened when and share his thoughts with us, so we'll do that later in the show. But Mark, Tim Kelly had a chance to meet with the media. We had this opportunity last week with Anthony Weaver, and we got it today for Tim Kelly. Now, for Anthony Weaver, it's the first time as a coordinator, he was meeting with the media. We've met with Tim Kelly before. He's had the opportunity to talk to us as a coordinator. But this is the first time that he was meeting us and meeting with the media as the actual play caller, offensive coordinator, and quarterbacks coach. A lot, obviously, on his plate. Mark, 30,000-foot view, what would you take out of what Tim had to say today? Well, uh, he has gotten used to, and look, he doesn't do it much, speaking to yeah. the media. I mean, he yeah. does it once a week, but you can just tell he's he's so polished now. And not that he never was. I mean, he, he always was good, Johnny, but I just yeah. think he's so much more comfortable than ever. And I think that's uh, talking into a microphone kind of thing. I mean, let's be honest, uh, until we did it every day, it yeah. wasn't as easy as it would become. And I think that he's done a really good job getting used to it. And uh, it, it was great to hear him. I mean, I just feel like I'm hearing from a very uh, efficient, very effective coach. And and you can just tell, like, he has so many weapons to work with. I mean, yeah. the amount of weaponry, it's exciting for him. There's a lot to go over. And he loves the fact that it's a veteran bunch of guys that he's working with for the most part. I mean, we talked about Kahale wearing. What could he possibly do? Even he's not really a rookie. Uh, right. So I think he's excited to get started, no doubt. Yeah, there's no question. So we had a chance to hear from Tim Kelly. So let's get into a little Texans audio jukebox. And let's jump right off the top. Tim Kelly, 
Talking about the offensive unit, as Mark mentioned, it is a bunch of vets. Not a lot of rookies coming into the building, but there are some new players. We'll get to that in a little bit. But here's Tim Kelly on his offensive unit heading into 2020. If the uh, uh, the people that we have in our in our offensive unit room right now, uh, it's a it's a exciting thing to be able to kind of sit back and watch those guys kind of come together throughout this this virtual offseason and learn uh, the offense and, and kind of come together as one unit. All right, I hope you had a chance to hear all of that from Tim Kelly talking about what we just mentioned, and that is it's a veteran room. If you think about well, just think about what happened on, on draft day. Take draft day. Ross Blacklock, John Grenard. They did draft Charlie Heck, but the starting tackles in Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil, I would say you would write them in pen. Then they drafted Isaiah Coulter in the fifth round, a guy that, I don't say project, but you know he's a guy with, a, with some upside, but he's young. This is a veteran-laden room, and I would imagine for a guy calling plays for the first time, Mark, that's got to make him, as he said, it's got to make him feel pretty good and pretty confident. Pretty comfortable, well, pretty confident. You know, one of the themes of the offseason to me, and, you know, last night we did the the missing OTAs and everything, it's the yeah. offensive line. The offensive line, the fact that they had a season together, I think he hits on that at some point during this press conference. Yeah. And that, you know, you have that very important position group ready to gel in year two together uh, with a quarterback in year four. You got a lot of things going for you here, and they have to find a way to put it all together. But, like we said, what better way to do it than with veterans so you can really hit the ground running when training camp does begin, and we hope that is late July. Man, year four? We're in year four. My gosh. Johnny, feels- it doesn't last forever also. It's year four already, and you've year- got to appreciate every snap, and you've got to capitalize on it as well. You want to feel even, you want to feel even uh, older or worse? There's plenty of stuff to make me do that. All right, go on. Yeah, you know what year this is for J.J. Watt? Ten. Year 10. 10. Year 10. It feels like J.J. just got here. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get depressed at that particular moment. And I know J.J. won't. And by the way, uh, the ultimate tag is coming, and it's going to be very, very cool. I think it's going to be excellent with the three Watt brothers. Uh, Watch that on Fox. Uh, I think it's tonight, right? I think it's Wednesday tonight. Yeah. Tim Kelly is leading this offense, and in most cases, he would be out on the field, they'd be going through OTAs, they'd watch the film afterward, they'd make the corrections, they would move on. That obviously has not taken place due to all of us being sheltered in place and the virtual offseason the players have been going through. Coach talked about what that process has been like with the virtual offseason. I swear. Yeah, sure, Adam. I, I, I think, uh, you know, any time, you know, if you have the opportunity to get your hands on them and then be able to get them out on the grass, I think you'd rather do that, obviously, uh, you know, with, with being able to allow those players, those new pieces to kind of build that chemistry, uh, you know, on the grass. But um, as far as what we're able to do throughout these, these zoom meetings, it's, it's, it's really um, uh, kind of a unique deal, right? Because everybody's seems to be more comfortable um, in front of the screen, whether it's in front of their phone or their tablet or their computer. So the communication that's going on right now between our players um, you know, b- b- between one another, between coach to player, player to coach, uh, has really been encouraging. So uh, while, yeah, you're, you're able to kind of dive into those details and, and really, really, you know, I know, I know we said getting the graduate level uh, portion of it, um, you know, I, I think you'd always really want to be able to get your hands on and, and, and be able to use the grass. But uh, for our guys to be able to come in here and, and approach this offseason the way that they have in, in such an uncertain time, 
um, it, it's really been encouraging. You know, Mark, one thing he said there that I, I heard it when he said it during the press conference today, and I was like, man, I didn't even think about that, but I think he's dead on. He talked about the player's ability to manage and navigate screens. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. You know, you hand some some people in our age demographic a screen, and they're kind of like, well, I can make a call, and I can make a text. And that's about all I can do. But these players, that's what they've grown up with. This is what yep. they've had in front of them. They're so used to having a screen in front of them that, to them, this is – pretty it's pretty normal in in some yeah. respects that they're learning this playbook and the way they're going to do things in 2020 they're learning it this way i thought it was a really interesting comment that he made but dead on really i i that one stuck out to me too because what more comfort this way what are you talking about yeah. but if this had happened this this covid lockdown had happened 10 years ago johnny think about it how many selfie videos oh. were you taking 10 years ago FaceTime, no, no selfie videos, virtually nothing like that. I mean, I remember with Sports Radio 610, we went to the Super Bowl. We shot some videos, but you had to upload them to the website, whatever. (laughs) There wasn't a ton of Facebook video yet or Twitter video. These guys all grew up with FaceTime, social media video. They're so comfortable seeing their image on a screen and communicating with somebody else that way. And they're in their homes. They're focused. So, yeah, I think he feels like he's got them all locked in. And it's another thing. Like, one thing I noticed with Zoom meetings is, you know, everybody's sort of looking at you and looking at each other at the same time. That doesn't happen in a regular meeting. It really doesn't, especially in those theater settings where they're all looking forward at the coach. Now they're looking at the coach, but I think they get a chance to see everybody, except when you do screen share and stuff like that. I thought it was an interesting point as well. That one jumped out at me. Well, the other thing that jumped out at some point when Tim Kelly spoke, he was asked about the multiple weapons, or as Bill O'Brien talked about, the layers to this particular offense, whether it's tight end, whether it's wide receiver, running back, the multiple weapons on this offense. Coach talked about having to manage and navigate those weapons and making sure that everybody gets the football and that they can rely on those guys. Here's Tim Kelly talking about the multiple weapons in the offensive room who can hurt a defense uh, at a variety of different levels, not just necessarily uh, deep, shorter, intermediate, but really uh, be able to, to threaten every aspect of the field. Um, it's a good thing. Uh, so, you know, as far as being able to, to attack the defenses and, and um, really, you know, as, as, you know, each opponent kind of presents its own issue, but, but really being able to take advantage of different matchups throughout the, the entire field and not, not necessarily one player. Um, it, it's an encouraging thing. Again, we've got a great quarterback, uh, a guy who's, who's going to be able to distribute the ball um, and, again, get the ball to the, to the guys that are winning. And, and we've got guys who have won consistently um, for a long time, you know, scattered throughout that room. You look at Brandon, you look at Randall, you look at Will and Kenny, obviously, with the production they had last year. Kiki and DeAndre Carter, Stevie Mitchell made some big plays, okay? You know, obviously, those are guys that, that have produced um, and that are coming in uh, – you know, with a, with a great mindset, you know, but with a chip on their shoulder and, and are, are working hard every day to make sure they're on the same page with, with the coaching staff and making sure they're on the same page with Sean. Johnny, I want to jump in here on that one because I, I know some people are listening thinking, well, you know, we, we have the big four at receiver right now in this group. Why is he talking about QT and Stevie Mitchell and everything? Because of what we just said. He's yeah. looking at these guys and virtually digitally coaching these guys 
every single day. I mean, and he needs something out of these guys. You want competition. You need, you would love it if QT suddenly exploded in training camp and forced you into a very difficult decision somewhere. You'd love that. That's a luxury problem you want to have, and that's why he's mentioning all those players. Yeah, I mean, Stevie Mitchell last year, you think about the contributions he made in 2018. He gets that interference call against the Jags in that big game. Comes in last year uh, in London. He has to come into the game. But Mitchell's the kind of guy that you love having around because you know he's just going to work and work and work and work and, and stay after it and continue to put pressure on those guys in front. He will never allow guys in front of him uh, to end up being comfortable. So, yeah, a guy like Kiki QT going, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I would love for Kiki to just say, you know what? I don't care that you spent money on Randall Cobb. I don't care that you brought this guy in. I am going to be the slot receiver for this team. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it. I am turning that corner this year. I'm staying healthy, and I'm going to be that guy. That is the best thing that could happen for this offense because you, you know what you're getting from Randall Cobb. You've you, you got to know what you're going to get from him. But if you know that Kiki QT is going to put that kind of pressure on Randall Cobb, each and every day in practice, each and every week, each and every game week, that's the it's the best. I mean, it's the best situation you could have uh, if you're Tim Kelly. Now, one of the best situations for a team, Tim Kelly hit on this, and I knew this when he said it, but I just – it was when he said it, it was just sort of jarring. And he talked about today the offensive line. And we've talked about it all offseason. Man, this offensive line is staying, you know, staying together. Laramie, Max, Nick, Zach Fulton, and Titus Howard. Man, get them all back. This is, man, this is really cool to have the same offensive line back. Take a listen to this cut from Tim Kelly. He points out right away, they don't have this happen. They haven't had this happen at all to have the same offensive line one year to the next. Take a listen to Tim Kelly on this one. It's coming, I swear. I well, I know as far as the offensive line, um, it's really, I, I believe, you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the first time that we've had all five starters back uh, since we've been here. So, um, you know, that that position especially, there's a lot of chemistry that goes into to playing that position of playing next to one another, how certain people are going to handle certain blocks and how it's going to feel and the different responses and reactions that you'll get. And I'm sure Coach Dev will be able to get into that, you know, in depth with you if, if you'd like. Uh, but having all five of those guys back is vital. You know, it's a, it's a, a good thing and it's something that we're definitely excited for. To have those five guys back, I, you know, it's funny because we over the years we've talked about it, Mark. I mean, you and I just talking about offensive line and man, you just want to get to a point where you'd have some continuity in the offensive line. And people talk about the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. And talk about how great it is, and it is. It's tremendous. Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Costanzo had his best year probably of his career last year. Braden Smith, the other tackle, Glowinski. What also makes them great is the fact that they have played together now for two straight years. Yeah, Two straight years they've been together. And now I start to hear, okay, the Texans' offensive line is going to be pretty good. Imagine once this group gets a second complete year together and where it will be at that point and where this offense can be with all those guys together. But I got to thinking, he's he's dead on. They have not had the same five guys from one year to the next since they've been here, which goes all the way back to 2014. That's unbelievable, Mark. It's the best line they've had since the Dwayne Brown, Eric Winston, Chris Myers, Wade Smith, 
and Mike Brizel line. I mean, that, yeah. this is the best one since then, and, and they're going to set out their sights to be even better than that if possible. So let's see them try to do it. And continuity is king, like you said. So let's see how they put it together. I, I just love it that we know what it is. You know, for how many years did we have in the off season this oh. time of year? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? You know, we can't even put the starting quarterback on a ticket because we're not really sure who it's going to be, you know, heading into OTAs and the draft and everything. Well, we've known our starting quarterback now, and this is his fourth year, so you're thrilled about that. But the O-line is equally almost as important as knowing who that starting quarterback is. The knowledge of that, feeling good about it, means so much to the success of your offense. Mark, when I go to Mobile, and you know I go to Senior Bowl every single year, and usually before I go, I – you know, I talk with you about, okay, here's, here's kind of my plan. Here's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking about. Every year that I would kind of give you that, that plan, it's like, okay, I'm going to talk to these offensive linemen. I'm going to talk to these offensive linemen. Okay, here are the offensive linemen. They're there. Every single year I went to Alabama, I was looking to speak to offensive linemen. And then this year I was like, wait, uh, I'm not going to talk to any offensive linemen. And it's not as if, hey, look, all these five are going to play 16 games. They're going to be healthy for every single play. You're going to have to have some depth. That's obviously why you draft a guy like Charlie Heck. That's why you have Greg Mance there, why you've got backups um, and guys that have been around. You've got some depth there, though, uh, on the offensive line. But every year I would go, and it was, who's going to be added from the Senior Bowl group because the Texans need to fix the offensive line? And I went in 2020 and went, well, maybe that's a position they don't, have to readily go after because this offensive line could be one that's together at least the majority of it or 80 percent of it going forward for a while and that's that's as good a feeling uh, as we could possibly have now you mentioned a second ago mark we didn't even know for a few years we couldn't even put the quarterback on a tick because we weren't sure well we do know who it is now and we know who it's going to be going forward and hopefully that it'll be this way for a long time that obviously is Deshaun Watson and to finish up the press conference today coach Kelly was asked about what he has seen from Deshaun Watson and what improvements he wants to see him make going forward as uh you know you're calling plays or you're part of the play calling process you want to make sure that you're seeing the game through the same really set of eyes as the quarterback that you're all on the same page um that you, that, that you all have the same vision of the play when the play gets called and um you know that's that that's uh something where as we continue to grow that, that that's going to be important um and yeah there's there's things that Deshaun needs to get better at and as all of us need to improve on so uh, we talked about that with him um you know coming out and being consistent and playing at that you know he set the bar so high so it's a it's really a challenge for him to, to be able to play at that level you know every time he steps on the field I know that was a great point. He has set the bar high for himself. He set it very high for himself. And he's always talked about, Mark, and you mentioned this in meetings with us, being 1% better every day. Just what is it? One, what one thing can you do better than you did the day before? And the more you do that, obviously, the more you improve, the better you become in this league at that particular position. When you do that enough, you end up winning championships. Uh, they put rings on your finger. They send you to the Hall of Fame, et cetera, and your legacy is established for, for a lifetime. Uh, but there are things that, that Deshaun knows he has to work on, and I think with Tim Kelly there, I think he's the right guy to be able to help him get in the right direction. 
Well, I love the 1% better thing. I think that applies to everything in life. And however you want to do this, whether it's win the day or 1% better, uh, the layering on effect of getting better every day, the cumulative effect, it's so wonderful for you to be successful in any walk of life. Watson lives by that. Uh, They all love coaching him. That's one thing they said from the get-go, Johnny, how much fun he is to coach. And when he went down... The coaches not only knew that that was going to be very tough on their season in 2017, but they also knew how much they were going to miss him because they love being around him. He's that kind of guy. He's got that kind of infectious personality. So uh, this relationship to watch it continue to develop is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Now, a guy that continues to develop heading into his second year, he started in week three against the Chargers, didn't miss another snap for the rest of the year, and that's Max Sharping. I had a chance to catch up with the second-year offensive guard. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. It's Battle Red Radio. Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Here's more of Texans All Access. Oh, yes. Welcome back. John Harris here. Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, before we get to our guest, Max Sharping, I just want to send out birthday wishes to my lovely wife, Paige Harris. Uh, We have all, all men are instructed to never announce the age of anybody, but it is a special day. 5-20-2020. Yeah. Wow. If we're the 20th month, then it would be kind of cool, but... Anyways, 5 20, 20, 20. Happy birthday to my wonderful wife, uh, kids, and uh, Paige waiting until we get off the air. We'll celebrate. And then uh, I guess as adults, you know, you kind of move on. You Back when you were a kid, you'd have the party at McDonald's. I don't know if right. you ever did that. Have the party at McDonald's and you have the cake and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, but happy birthday to her. Well, I'm surprised you're doing the show tonight. I mean, I appreciate it. We all do. But well, she, is yeah. she okay? Sorry, yeah, she, Paige. Happy birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday to well, yeah. I, you. Well, know, had we not been in the uh, coronavirus situation, there it oh, is. And there's Joanna, our producer, playing happy birthday. Oh, thank you, Joanna. With the piano bar. This is nice. Is very, Serve up some cocktails. Nice. Yes, very it nice. Is, it is very nice. So, yeah, no, she she uh, she understood. I think it, had we not been in a uh, coronavirus situation, then – <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I've gotten a little bit of a side eye when I said, "Hey, I gotta go do yeah. radio right now." But uh, she's understanding. She's lovely. She is beautiful, and uh, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday to her! All right, it's time to get to our guest, and that would be from Northern Illinois University. He is no longer a rookie. He is a second-year offensive guard, and Max Sharping joins us now. Max, I know that's got to sound pretty darn good. To no longer hear the word rookie in front of your name, man. How you doing? Uh, yeah, definitely uh, sounds a little bit better when uh, you say second year guy. So uh, I'm doing well. This off season has been one of a kind, and I hope it's the last time we ever do something like this. What's it been like for you doing this virtual off season, being away from the building when typically you would be there with your teammates, hanging in the locker room, going to practice, you know, meeting rooms, all that kind of stuff, just seeing the guys every day. What's this been like for you? Yeah, obviously it's a lot different from last year even. Uh, and you kind of have to 
use the vets um, that have been in the league for a while to kind of help you along, you know, what it's normally like. Because, like you said, this would have been my first uh, normal offseason, I guess, <laughs> yeah. other than being a rookie anyway. So, um, you know, you kind of have to lean on on uh, some older guys, see what, what their input is, and just uh, go along with the virtual meetings as best as you can. When you think back to your rookie year and you think about learning this offense, how do you think it would have gone had you gone through this offseason as a rookie trying to learn everything you need to learn about this particular offense? How difficult would that have been if this has been your rookie year as opposed to your second year when you've had a whole a full year of playing in this offense? Yeah, I, mean, I think it definitely would be more, more difficult, but our coaches are actually doing a great job uh, in the virtual meetings. Uh, you know, they can screen share and uh, help us along there. So, um, you know, with our coaching staff, the way the way they have been preparing us, I think it wouldn't have been as bad as uh, as bad as I think. Yeah. Well, when you think back to your rookie year, I always think about you because because in, in training camp we're there for about five days, maybe. And then not only do we go scrimmage against the team you grew up watching, it's literally in your hometown. You and I talked a little bit about that, but what was that experience like going back? Obviously, you're a rookie. You're trying to impress everybody. You're trying to do great in scrimmages. You're trying to show Coach Devlin what you can do and the staff what you can do. And then all of a sudden, you have your entire family descending upon you right there in Green Bay, Wisconsin. What was that experience like last year when we went up to Green Bay, your hometown? Yeah, I mean, it's one of a kind, really, when you think about it. I mean, you couldn't have written a better storyline for me. Um, you know, first ever game, even if it's preseason, you know, it's still a big deal. Going to do joint practices in places that I had toured when I was a kid, you know, and never really uh, been that deep inside Lambeau Field before. But it was it was a really unique experience that I'm glad I was able to uh, take part in. Then a few weeks later, we got to Los Angeles. It's week three of the season. We're sitting at one and one, just beat the Jags. And starting offense goes out, and you go out. It's your first start. It's your first time in the NFL taking on the Chargers, a really good defensive front. What was that experience like, Max, when you stepped out on the field to go with the starters for that first time? We knew you were ready. We could see it in the way you played. But what were your nerves like the night before? What was that experience like when you went out on the field for that first time against the Chargers? I think, uh, you know, every time you step out on the field, you always have jitters. Uh, but that time was a little bit more than normal. Uh, I'm lucky enough to play next to, you know, LT and Nick. Yeah. Uh, so those guys really helped calm me down before the game, uh, just reassured me, you know, you know what you're doing, just go out there and play. Um, so those, those two playing next to me for sure helped. Is there a moment from last year that sticks out that you remember, whether it was, you know, a, you know, a great play, touchdown, whatever the case might be, a win, whatever. Is there a moment that sticks out more than any other from your rookie year? I think uh, the locker room after uh, the Tampa Bay game when we uh, we clinched uh, the AFC South, I think that was a special moment for us as a team, uh, you know, especially being my first one, hopefully many more to come. But yeah. that was special. That was, that was That was really cool. Now, you obviously come into the league. You played a lot of offensive tackle at Northern Illinois. Then you come into the league and they say, um, you're moving three feet the inside. What was that experience like? And I know you did play a lot of tackle, but did they talk to you in the draft process about potentially moving to guard? And what was that movement like? And how tough was it to adapt 
I have a friend of mine that jokes with me all the time. He likes football, but he's not in it like we all are. And he's like, all you're doing is moving three feet inside. I'm like, oh, it's a little bit different. How did you find that experience? Yeah, uh, thankfully I was, uh, I guess, warned that I could be moved in. Um, but I had played guard a little bit in college, even yeah. my, my freshman year. Uh, so I had been somewhat used to the experience, I'll say, obviously not at this level. Um, so once we got into training camp and I got, you know, my feet wet a little bit, started becoming more comfortable. Um, and I knew it was a possibility and I was ready for it. So uh, I was just, just wanted to get on the field any way I could. When you get in the, the game in week three and you start and you look to your right, you'd see Nick Martin and you'd see Nick the entire training camp. He had been with you every step of the way. You look left and you see a guy that just got there basically for week one in Laramie Tunsil. What was it like playing next to LT, uh, Laramie Tunsil, and obviously Nick Martin to your right, having those two vets next to you? Yeah, obviously it helps a lot. Um, you know, like you said, I've been playing next to Nick uh, all throughout since I had stepped uh, into Houston, you know, so that, that for sure, that um, confidence in his leadership at that position really helps everyone on the line. And then when you have, you know, Laramie out, out to your other side, I mean, pro bowl or what else do you want me to say right there? You know, I mean, he's the best left tackle in the game right now. So anytime you have a guy like that, it just makes you more comfortable uh, when you're slotted in between guys like that. How long did it take for you to get comfortable playing next to those two guys? Did you did you feel comfortable at some point? I know in the Chargers game, there was a moment that I, I remember distinctly, and I happened to be just kind of in – you were right in my purview, and I saw Melvin Ingram try to throw a spin move on you, and you just didn't go in. You just stoned him. And I remember saying that on the broadcast that – I think Max is going to be okay. Was there kind of a moment where you felt like maybe not that, okay, I got this thing licked, but did you feel, okay, I'm getting much more comfortable than I was the week before, two weeks before, et cetera. Did you, was there a point where you felt, okay, I'm getting really comfortable with what I'm doing here? Um, I, I couldn't point to a specific play or game or anything like that. I think just the experience, you know, rep after rep once, you know, in practice and game reps with those guys, you just kind of, get into a rhythm and a routine and uh, you just kind of get used to playing next to each other. Now I watched your tape at Northern Illinois. So I know you had quarterbacks that weren't allergic to moving around in the pocket a little bit, but Deshaun Watson's a whole different cat back there with what he's able to do. How different was that as far as adjustment goes for, Oh wait, Deshaun. Okay. The time in my head says Deshaun should have thrown the ball, but he's still back there. How long did that take to kind of get used to having a quarterback like Deshaun behind you where the play is really never over until the referee's whistle? Yeah, I think the the best uh, way to describe it is one of the first meetings uh, that I had with, with Dev. That was the, the thing he brought up, uh, you know, with Deshaun back there, you have to extend your, your internal play clock by three to four to five times. Like he, and like you said, it's, it's never over. Um, and I don't think you ever really get used to that watching yeah. some of the highlights where you watch him escape, you know, four defenders in one play. And you're just, how the hell did he do that? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't, that, that part, I don't think you ever get used to, but you know, in your mind, you're just thinking, okay, I just got to keep going. I just got to keep playing. Just got to keep my feet moving because you never know where he's going to be and what play he's going to make next. And obviously they went over Buffalo. Oh, unbelievable. You guys are down 16 to nothing. 
what was sort of the secret sauce that kind of got you guys going in that win over Buffalo in the wild card round? Uh, I don't think there was anything really special. I think we knew we had a good game plan, obviously, with the guys we had on the field. We knew it was just a matter of time before, you know, we got something going. And uh, that's that's one of the other things that, uh, you know, especially uh, Tim Kelly preaches all the time is we're never out of a game, no matter what it is. I mean, you look back at plenty of games over the season. I mean, Kansas City the first time, you know, you brought up the playoff game with Buffalo. I mean, we're down. Uh, and it's it's never over when we have, you know, Deshaun back there and, and all those wide receivers we got. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's anything special. I think we just knew we had the players around us. We just got to keep grinding away, and eventually something good, gonna, something good is going to happen. When did you have an opportunity to see what had happened on that play to Taiwan Jones? I mean, obviously you're blocking. Did you have a sense of what was going on? When did you get a chance to know what actually happened on that play right before the game-winning field goal? Um, I mean, I knew they were blitzing, uh, but I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know exactly what happened with Deshaun until uh, film the next day. So, (laughs) I mean, I just – I knew it was an amazing play. Um, I didn't see how amazing until, you know, I think it maybe it blew up on Twitter probably too, and I maybe saw it there but the night before, like just after the game. But – um, yeah, I didn't really see the full extent of it until film the next day. Yeah, thank God, because had you been watching it live, uh, you would have probably been as scared as everybody else and probably would have been so, would have let somebody leak in through, which you definitely did not do much throughout the year. Max Sharping, I cannot thank you enough for your time, my man. Thank you very much. Enjoy the offseason. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see you soon, my, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Boy, he has become, in a short amount of time, Mark, one of my favorite guys to interview. I, you could really, I mean, I could really just throw anything at him. But I started with the, you know, going to Green Bay last year. For people that don't know, he is from, he's from Green Bay. Then he went to Northern Illinois. And that's sort of how we connected because my parents live an hour north of Green Bay. And so we were talking about that trip. And I, I caught him in, in a non-media moment. And I just asked him about that whole process because we were there, what, four or five days I mean, you yeah. and I set a land speed record driving 80 miles an hour back up to Lambo to do radio one night. Um, it was a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous trip. And I said to him, boy, what, what was that like? And he goes, man, he goes, I had people coming out of the woodworks. He's, <laughs> there were people everywhere. Family members just wanted, you know, just wanted to, to talk to me, just see me. Then they wanted to see me on game day. He's like, look, this is my first preseason game of my NFL career. I got to go get locked in, guys. So he said it was a great trip, yet crazy. But I thought it was kind of cool that he was able to start that trip or start his career uh, with an opportunity to go back home, literally go back home uh, when we went up to see the Packers last year. Oh, that was such a great trip. And, by the way, you just brought back the memory of us hightailing it back to Lambeau to do the show when our (laughs) equipment broke down back at the hotel. And, yeah, I'm glad that I wasn't thrown in – Packer jail or it would be actually the real jail in Green Bay so that's good I apologize retroactively to everybody in Green Bay in Green Bay sorry well there's I mean I would imagine that uh, the Sharpings probably could have gotten this out I'm sure they probably know a few people uh, in the in the Green Bay police force I would I would guess that's just that's a hunch maybe we wouldn't have stayed there all that long but uh, you did a great job because we got back on the air okay now that was sort of a what you remember when with our Green Bay trip last year. Mark, it's Wednesday. We did this last week. We're going to do it again for Mark Vandermeer and Mark Vandermeer only. This is a segment only for Mark. 
called What You Remember When Wednesday. I've got a sweet half dozen I'm going to hit him with next right here on Texans All Access. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. This is Deshaun Watson. The bomb from Deshaun Watson. And you're listening to Texas Radio. My goodness. John here, Mark there. Mark P. Prisco put out his top 100 players in the NFL. Oh, gosh. Am I going to be upset? Guess where he has Deshaun Watson? Seven. <laughs> Multiply it by nine and you're close. He has him at number 62. Oh, it's just Pete. You know, look, I do like Pete. I know. I do Maybe too. I don't really like Pete. No, I I enjoy I like talking with Pete. But come on, Pete, get out of here. Seriously, yeah, we, we need but to go me, through this. We need to go through this at some point. Um, but yeah, six number sixty-two. It's it's like what we were talking about with the who's better yesterday. The quarterbacks yeah. in Elway Marino. So I was having a conversation with Vanderkid about it, and he said uh, we were talking about the. He said, "Dad, top three all-time quarterbacks." And I'm like, this is very tough. He said, does Peyton Manning make it? I said, he might. He might. And I list, we started talking. He said, what, what about Drew Brees? I said, Drew Brees is great. So what about all those numbers? Great. But let's just look at it this way. If we're drafting, you always have to go back to that. We are setting up a season. We get everybody in their prime. Where's Brees being taken as opposed to everybody else who's available, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to answer that question right now, but let's go here. We're evaluating every player in the league right now. Where's Watson being taken relative to everybody else who's available? He's going top seven, Johnny. He's going as in the NFL, right? If we're starting a new league and we're drafting, he's going top five. It's Deshaun Watson. You're going to take your chances with Deshaun Watson. Here's his comment. You wonder what he'd be like with more help in terms of an offensive line. He threw 26 passes, touchdown was passes. Was this written last year? Last was season. this written in 2019 uh, before the draft? Sorry uh, to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, there, there are two players that made the list. Uh, I'm sure you can figure those out. J.J. Watt, <laughs> rated lower than his brother, uh, T.J. Watt. And Deshaun made it at number 62. And then the others receiving votes. I was glad to see this. Zach Cunningham, also uh-huh. receiving votes. Uh-huh. I think he is criminally underrated okay we did this last week we call it what you remember when wednesday it's for mark and mark only mark has been here for every single moment he is the only person outside of andre who could speak to every single moment that involved the texans so mark speak of the devil number one what you remember when deshaun watson was drafted in 2017 I remember being in the bathroom and the Texans moved up <laughs> and they were on the clock because we didn't think there was a chance of them doing this. They yeah. had never done anything like this before. They've moved up one spot before in the first round, but never that kind of gigantic move upward. And I knew exactly what it was for. And I never really even thought of Deshaun Watson as a Texans quarterback, Johnny. That night was sort of – it was such a surprise. It was surprise. You got Deshaun Watson. I never expected it. I thought it was tremendous. I was so excited. I uh, that that's my memory. That's that's what jumps out to me. Yeah, that was that it was such a wild. I mean, you mentioned it. You were in the bathroom. I remember when you got back on stage. You kind of had a smile on your face, and I've got this look on my face like, "Oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened." And you're like, "What?" 
I was like, we just traded up. And then mass chaos ensues. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I hope it didn't sound that way when we were on the air. But it was like, we got to get out of this break. We got to make sure we get this from Goodell. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it was just nuts. But we're well, about uh, to make history. And, and I always wonder, you know, yeah. how good is he going to be? Uh, you know, you never know because I know everybody loved him coming out. But we've seen college quarterbacks do it yep. before at that level and not be able to do it in the National Football League. You know, Vince Young comes to mind. Now, V.Y. had some nice moments and everything. But Watson's clearly uh, cut above a lot, nothing against VY, but a cut above a, so many people. I mean, the the fact that he the the college stuff does count, and when you see it start to translate right away, we saw it right away in OTAs. We saw something special, some sparks. Training camp saw the sparks, saw something special. That first preseason game with the Panthers, the first start against the Bengals, and then the eruption against New England the following week. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, this guy's not only good as a rookie, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Look at this. And it's uh, it's been so much fun. It's going to be more fun as we progress through his career. Okay, number two. What you remember when Justin Reed picked off Alex Smith for a 101-yard pick six in Washington in 2018? All right, so those plays as a play-by-play guy, you're calling the play, and by the time you, you say his name and he's on the move. You know, he's already at the 50 by the time he's coming out of the end zone, you know, as you're describing it. So yeah. so just hang in there. Is this really a touchdown? Let's let her rip. Uh, I thought of Marcus Coleman during the call. It popped into my mind. This is Marcus wow. Coleman against the Chiefs in week three of 2004 when he went coast-to-coast yeah. coast off a Trent Green pick, which is still the longest pick six in Texans history. Uh, I think this was short of it by a yard, if I'm not mistaken. So really phenomenal stuff. Uh, And it's the Redskins, so you know that booth is the worst booth in the league. So I was just glad we got the call right. And that was a fun day. That was a really good day. That was a good day. Uh, Unfortunately, That was a good team at the time. They were 6-3. and They were going places. They knocked Smith out, you know, hopefully not for his career. And the Redskins were never the same after that. The Texans obviously – uh, that was part of a nine-game winning streak, and they went on to an 11-5 season. Yep. All right, number three. What you remember when Andre Johnson scored his long touchdown against Cincinnati in the playoff game that put the Texans ahead 24-10, to which pretty much sealed the deal that yeah. day? What you remember when Andre scored? It was a relief. It was a relief, really. I was so happy that he scored. I couldn't stand it when Larry Fitzgerald finally made a deep postseason run and got to the Super Bowl. And, you know, nothing against Larry. Again, I like Larry. Mm -hmm. But Andre, I thought, he's got to get into the playoffs. We have to get him in. And that's why I said welcome to the playoffs as part of that call because I knew that he was going to have a chance to shine and likely would. And remember that season. He was banged up that year. He had two injuries. I want to say both of them were sort of sniper wounds, right? He was just mm-hmm. running free and just went down, and they were really disturbing. But he came back both times and got back for the postseason. He didn't play in that first win over Cincinnati on the road in December. Did not play in the game where Yates throws for 300 yards, and we're going to do a little watch party with TJ on that one next week. Stay tuned for information on that. Uh, but I'll never forget Andre getting into the end zone. And when Foster had his run, that was that was icing. You know, Foster yeah. earlier in his career, 
uh, and I thought, well, he's going to do this again, right, I hope. But for Andre Johnson, you just knew you got to get him into the postseason, and he's going to have a chance to make special things happen. So I went today. I wanted to – I was trying to remember when that play happened, and I was right about it happening at 17-10. I was totally sure, but I pulled up the game broadcast. That play almost never happens, Mark, because on third and six, a couple plays before, TJ gets blitzed, and they blew the coverage somehow on Dre, but, but TJ is getting heat. So TJ is being pushed basically to his right. He's got to throw it back across his body. And Andre is able to stop himself, kind of reach back with one hand and sort of mm. juggle it and corral it, get the first down, and then two plays later, uh, Yates ends up hitting Andre for the touchdown. And it, it, I'm seeing that sequence of plays, it made it even more impressive. And it just kind of warms your heart to see Dre make that touchdown. Uh, I'll go to this one. I had a couple others, but uh, one of them, uh, the Texans lost. I don't want to hit that one. Oh, actually, they lost them both of those. But what you remember when – oh, this one, you have to go too far back. J.J. Watt sacked Josh Allen in the wild card game versus the Bills in 2019. <laughs> so needed, so needed at that time. That turned the whole game around. I mean, that was the spark as they labeled it. But they needed something. They needed uh, something to turn the boat around, tip the scales, make the seesaw go the other way, swing the pendulum, whatever cliche metaphor you want to use. Uh, it happened and completely turned that game around. And that's what Watt does. And Kubiak once told me he's kind of like a quarterback. When you need a big play, he can get you one. And he's done that so many times in his career. To see him do that, Johnny, was so special coming back for the postseason and making an impact like that. And in the game, they were going nowhere, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and then they went somewhere. They went to the next round. That was cool. That was. Uh, it's amazing to think back. And I watched that game from that play forward. It's amazing how that whole thing turned around based on that one particular play. Mark, thank you very, very much. As I said earlier, we had a jam-packed show, so a big thanks also to Max Sharping, to Joanna, who kept us on the air and does each and every night. Thank you so much. Thank you all very much for listening. Again, a happy birthday to my wife, who I think is probably listening right now and ready to send me for food. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Sports Radio 